Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure. Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. The Advocates can help you if you've been injured in an automobile, motorcycle, pedestrian, or even a dog bite accident. For additional information on other types of cases that the Advocates handle, you can always visit MontanaAdvocates.com. You can chat with an experienced attorney with no upfront out-of-pocket expense. Visit online or call 406-640-4444 today, or you can visit MontanaAdvocates.com. And remember, you deserve an advocate. ESPN Missoula Sports Center. A variety of Montana's best high school football talent took the gridiron one last time as prep standouts in the Electric City on Saturday night. Hello, I am Coulter Nuanez. At the East-West Shrine Game in Great Falls, Hamilton's Tyson Rostead led an offensive onslaught for the West on the way to a 40-21 victory in the 75th edition of the popular charitable fundraiser football showcase. Rostad, who led Hamilton to its first Class A state title in 25 years last fall, rushed for three touchdowns, including two in the first half. He also found feller future Montana Grizzly Ian Finch a Hellgate product for a 12-yard scoring toss right before halftime to give the West a 23-14 lead at the break. Rossett was named Roger Silverdale Shrine Game MVP as well as the offensive MVP of the West. The West clung to just a 16-14 lead before Rossett strike to Finch. Billings West and future Carroll College quarterback Isaiah Clonch hit Bozeman Gallatin's Tyler Nansel for a 70-yard touchdown early and Clonch also threw an 80-yard touchdown to Taco Dowler, his former Billings West teammate who earned Montana Gatorade Player of the Year honors and is heading to Montana State. Dowler earned offensive MVP for the East, while future Grizzly Bo Dantic of Laurel ripped off a 101-yard interception return for a touchdown late to earn defensive MVP honors for the East. On a high force, Suaro, who is heading to Carroll College, was the MVP of the West defense, and the West have now won 34 overall Shrine games. This ESPN Missoula Sports Center is brought to you by Selway Armory. What's up, Montana? Welcome back. Who is now? ESPN Radio. SWX Montana Television. Maybe you're watching and or listening on the new ESPN Montana app. Coulter Nuanas coming to you through the Northwest Motorsports Studio. Go get that new ESPN Montana app. Great way to listen, stream this show live and or archived anytime, anywhere on all of your various mobile devices and coming very soon on your various smart TV apps as well. So very much looking forward to that. I mean, just what you wanted, right? 
a bigger picture of me. Just make my bald head look bigger. <laughs> I'm trying to think of, of ways to get a little bronze up on the dome, uh, but also not sunburn my head and, uh, you know, all of the bad health risks that come from that, whether it's the, the skin or the heat stroke. So if you're a bald guy, text us tips. Basically, I've just been going, uh, I take my hat off when I'm putting because I, I, don't, I don't like the brim in my face anyways when I'm putting. So I just take the hat off when I'm putting, so that gives me a little exposure to the sun. I'm also doing a lot, you know, SPF 30 up top. Got any suggestions, though, how to not burn your head, but maybe get it a little bit bronzed up? Text us, 406-888-1029. That's 888-1029. Missed anything in the first hour of the show? A fun first hour. Montana football hour, talking some East-West Shrine game. Some evaluations of some of the guys. Also heard from Tyson Rostad, the overall MVP of the game, as well as the offensive MVP for the West squad. The West won for the second year in a row, 40-21. to Rostad, a Hamilton High School product, future Montana Grizzly. He scored three touchdowns on the ground and threw a fourth to Missoula Hellgate's Ian Finch, and uh, that helped him earn the overall MVP. We heard from him as well as the East squad's defensive MVP, Bo Dantic, himself a future Grizzly, a Laurel product who had a 102-yard Interception return for a touchdown. We also talked some big sky to the NFL, particularly the Bobcats and Grizzlies that are currently chasing NFL dreams that were part of this most recent draft class. We'll have some more evaluations of, for you, too, of the guys that played in the Shrine game that are going to the Grizz and the Cats uh, during tomorrow's show. Uh, seen and talked to and caught up with several of these guys now in person. But all that fun commentary you can find on the Nuanas Now podcast, proudly presented by Sportsbet Montana as well as the advocates. You can also stream and listen outside the app on our station website. That's also where you can find a lot of other stuff like the podcast, 1029ESPN.com. Appreciate you. Any and all ways you're listening to this show. Last week, I didn't expect the finals to be over on Friday, so we only talked about the finals for like 10 minutes of yesterday's show, or of of last week's show, the, the most recent show before this one you're listening to right now. But the Golden State Warriors, they did secure their fourth NBA title in the last eight seasons. They did it in convincing fashion with a road victory in Game 6 over the Boston Celtics in Beantown. And now this opens up a whole bunch of doors. Uh, Myself and Andrew Houghton were talking about this during the lead-up to and during the finals. About just what this meant for the Warriors franchise and just the history of the NBA, the narrative of the NBA. And we were sort of in agreement that... Whatever happened with the Warriors, this title didn't really move the needle for where they stood in NBA history, which is already a very uh, rare air, very hallowed ground. Very, uh, I mean, they're already one of the very best teams, but where do they actually rank among those six, seven, eight best runs in NBA history? And I was actually thinking about this the other day, and I actually think that it moves the needle more than I thought. I, I It's easy to forget that the Warriors... The Warriors were in the finals for five years in a row. They won three championships during that span. They beat a LeBron James-led team in that span, which is a a huge testament to them. They also fell off, and that's what I said in my initial analysis on Friday. It's very rare for a team. There's been all sorts of these runs, and we're going to get into some of the great runs in NBA history, but there's been, you know, the Celtics winning 11 titles in 13 years. There's also been, like, the run the San Antonio Spurs had where they had five – titles and six finals appearances 
over the span of 16 years. That's very impressive to be able to have it, the longevity of 16 years. But in between those championships for the Spurs, they were never the worst team in the league. The Warriors won 17 games one year. They got the number one overall pick. Granted, part of that was influenced by massive injuries. But I think in today's day and age, when when the narrative of your program or the narrative of your franchise gets buried and people just think you're dead and gone, it's really hard to come back from that. And the Warriors were actually getting killed on Twitter because all the guys' interviews, they all said exactly this. They all said, everybody buried us. We were dead and gone. Nobody believed we could come back. And people are killing them on Twitter. Why are you taking that way? Why do you have an axe to grind? Why are you taking the low-hanging fruit? It seems cliche, but it's not cliche because it's so rare. It's so rare. And I also think that the Warriors proved that the, the group that they have, the core three, Stephen Curry, who was the finals MVP, Clay Thompson and Draymond Green, those guys all drafted and developed by the franchise. Excuse me. But the Warriors took an endless amount of heat when Kevin Durant signed with them. He was a part of two championship teams with them. But they proved now that this group that doesn't need the one of the most one of the most shocking free agent acquisitions in history that doesn't need the signing of a first team or first ballot Hall of Famer, a first team All NBA type guy like Kevin Durant. The, the group, the homegrown, the organic group of the Warriors is now can just say that they're just as good. They got back up to the mountaintop. They did it without Kevin Durant. And I think that's what maybe makes this a little bit more elevated than I initially expected. So we're gonna we're gonna do a little uh, either or here, uh, who would you take in terms of legacy right now? First with the franchise and then with Steph Curry. It's Nuanas Now ESPN Radio. Some belated NBA Finals talk. But uh, first of all, Andrew, you and I both were sort of in agreement that this didn't move the needle that much in terms of the legacy of the Warriors. But I think it does a little bit more. Are you of any different opinion? No, I'm in the same boat with you, Coulter. Uh, the way that they did it, I think it, uh, you know, moves the needle a little bit more for Steph than for the team as a whole. Um, but I, I thought it was more impressive, uh, a, a more impressive a run than I thought it was going to be. And I think it does do a little bit more for them historically. Now, I think you're overblowing um, sort of the narrative of this, the the valley of this team. Uh, I know they took some heat on Twitter, on social media. The uh, the NBA Twitter sphere is very reactionary. I don't think anybody doubted that if Steph came back uh, to the level that he was at before he got injured, that this team would be a contender. I just sort of assumed that the entire time. If they ever got back healthy and Steph returned to that level... You know, I thought they were one of the, the top five, four or five contenders in the league the whole year. So I think that was a little bit overblown. Um, but I agree with you, just the way that they did it. And, you know, I think that this Boston Celtics team sort of has a chance to be that team for maybe the next decade in the NBA. And if it works out that way, obviously this run will look a lot better for the Warriors just in historical hindsight and context. So much of the key for the Celtics is going to be how do they navigate the avalanche that's coming? Because when you reach this level for the first time, and we see this in America so often in sports and otherwise, you're the young guy, you're you're the new guy, then you're the darling. 
and then you get killed. And Jason Tatum was the darling of this NBA playoffs until he got to the finals, and then the Warriors broke his spirit. And if you listen to all the Boston pundits, it's one of the most – I'm a huge NBA guy. I love listening to NBA podcasts. One of my biggest gripes is that most of my favorite podcast guys know the NBA better than anybody. They have more sources in the NBA, and they're disgusting Celtics fans. And I don't mean to say that Celtics fans are disgusting. Well, they just can't hide they, that too. But they can't hide <laughs> their bias. They can't hide, like Bill Simmons. He led his podcast where he said, "I'm going to give you an objective analysis of why the Celtics are uh, have a lot of questions to answer and why the Warriors absolutely are the best." Uh, deserving, most deserving team in the NBA, and then I'm going to go walk into traffic. I can't stand that kind of stuff. But that said, they all had the same, uh, Bill Simmons, Ryan Russillo, they all had the same analysis that Tatum looked like he, that that the, the Warriors had solved him and he was just frustrated. He had almost no emotion. That's why I think, though, the future for the Celtics team, the most important thing for them is can Tatum stay away from all that noise because he's about to get crushed in NBA offseason discussions for months until the next season begins. Yeah, it's not so much can he stay away from it because he can't. I mean, that's just <laughs> the world that we're in right now. <laughs> it's how he point. responds to it, right? That's right. That's right. Um, yeah, I mean, as far as the Celtics go, I mean, we always say it. Sometimes the best time to win is the first time that you're there, right? And we always have this narrative of a team that, uh, you know, builds up to a title, sort of like the, the Giannis Antetokounmpo Milwaukee Bucks did. Uh, you know, you have a couple setbacks, and then eventually you break through and win it, and that's the sort of the trajectory that we think the Celtics are on now. But it doesn't always work out like that. I mean, every opportunity that's in the right. NBA Finals is that's a right. huge opportunity. That's right. And so even though you say the Celtics were a little bit ahead of schedule this year, right? You know, I don't think um, I don't think that they were the consensus pick to come out of the East for sure. And sometimes early success is it damns you. I mean, look at that Oklahoma City team. Kevin Durant had that's to. Right. Kevin Durant had to make the jump to the Warriors to get back to the finals, and James Harden and Russell Westbrook never got back to the finals. Right, so even though you say, well, they were a little bit ahead of schedule this year, that's good for them because it, it portends improvement in the future. That's not always the case. The Celtics, no one is now ESPN Radio, NBA Finals talk. The Celtics also, and not to, we're going to get into the Warriors because that's what I actually want to talk about. One last point on the Celtics. The Celtics, more than almost any team in the league, had such an unbelievable collection of assets when they did that because they built this super team which was actually kind of the super team before the heat when they traded for Ray Allen and Kevin Garnett drafted Rajon Rondo and already had Paul Pierce they were so smart in getting rid of those guys before they paid them a bunch of money they didn't deserve and they acquired all these unbelievable assets they also drafted really well they also developed really well then all of a sudden they had this embarrassment of riches where they did have the opportunity to see if Gordon Hayward and Kyrie Irving could play together or if Kemba Walker could fit in the mix and then be able to get rid of those guys and also get rid of some of their other younger players and some of their draft picks and assemble the team that they have now. The other big obstacle the Celtics have going forward now, though, is they no matter where they fell short, and they did make it to the conference finals a couple years ago with a similar uh, core of the young players, and they still and they had some of these other guys as well, but whether and Isaiah Thomas was another part of this where they had an option to maybe ride him or move on from him. Now, though, it's can we make these guys coalesce and capitalize on this opportunity? Because now they don't really have any other moves to make. They chose the two guys they're going to keep in Jason Brown, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, and then they 
found the right veterans to mix around them. They made the move with the coach, moving Brad Stevens in the front office and hiring Ime Adoka. But now it's win with these guys. There's not really this next move they could make. They always could make the next move. Yeah, but sometimes those moves sort of around the periphery of the team are the ones that make a difference. I mean, I think that there are tweaks that they can make with the roster, and I agree they're locked into Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Sometimes the moves of what guys you put around there and, you know, adding a guy here, subtracting a guy there are huge, huge moves. I mean, for the Celtics, I think, um, you know, a veteran point guard would be really good. Somebody who can uh, run the offense. We all saw how many turnovers they had in the finals. That was sort of the story of it. Maybe another shooter or two. I think there are moves that they can make here around those guys to improve the roster. Speaking of the Celtics, I think... Right now, when you compare, and I'm talking about the Celtics as a franchise, not this iteration of the Celtics, but I think when you compare the Golden State Warriors to the other great, great dynasties in NBA history, in my opinion, the greatest dynasty in NBA history belongs to the Boston Celtics, and I know that there's time and place and era and all that associated with it, but it's the greatest run in pro sports history. 11 titles and 12 NBA Finals in 12 seasons. They won eight in a row. I don't care who you're playing against or who you got or what advantages you have. The Celtics had a crazy advantage because of the way that the draft used to work and the regionalization of the draft. They also had a crazy advantage in Red Arbach being the pioneer of a front office executive for the modern NBA. And they also had a huge, huge advantage having the most selfless superstar in the history of the NBA in Bill Russell. Doesn't matter. You go to the finals every year for 12 years in a row and you win eight championships in a row at 11 out of 12, that's the greatest run in NBA history. That is the greatest team in NBA history. You can only beat who you play. And so, again, I know the NBA was nowhere near what it is now or as competitive as what it is now between 1957 and 1969 when they are able to do that. But, and, and you know, there was less rounds of the playoffs. Still, though, it wasn't as if they were beating nobodies. Wilt Chamberlain couldn't beat the Celtics, Jerry West, Elgin Baylor, those are three of the 20 best guys in the history of basketball. And the Celtics beat them over and over and over again. Those guys had to get together in L.A. to even win one. And, you know, I mean, you talk about the Celtics beat teams led by Wilt, Oscar Robertson, Bob Pettit, Elgin Baylor, the logo Jerry West. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. And then you also look at some of the greatest players in league history, of course, Bill Russell, who in my mind – he and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar are the ones that don't get talked about enough. I, don't, I mean, I, I, I know that they're still considered among the greats, but I just think that winning more than anything matters, dominating, being transcendent, all that matters. But you look at the other great players from those teams, Bob Cousy, John Havlicek, Tommy Heinzone, Sam Jones, the list goes on and on and on. That's my best team in NBA history. The Warriors are still far away from that. My second best team in NBA history is the Jordan Bulls. You already know all the rules. You already know all the reasons. Six championships in eight seasons. The only reason they really ever took a break is because Michael Jordan needed a little time off to go chase some baseball dreams. But that team, especially for their ability, I mean, the, the thing that accentuates the legend of the Jordan Bulls to me is how many players that team, how many players and teams that that team altered the narrative for. What would we think of Clyde Drexler and the Portland Trailblazers of the early 1990s, if not for the Jordan Bulls? What would we think of the Phoenix Suns and Charles Barkley and Kevin Johnson and 
uh, the great run that those teams had, if not for the Bulls. What would we think of Patrick Ewing and John Starks and those Pat Riley coach Knicks teams of the 1990s, if not for Michael Jordan? It, what would we think, how, how accelerated and how much even higher would Hakeem Olajuwon's esteem in the game be with the Houston Rockets, if not for the Jordan Bulls? What would we think of John Stockton and Carl Malone? I mean, you're talking multiple, multiple, multiple of the greatest players of all time didn't get to chase championship glory. Carl Malone has an asterisk next to his name. He's You want to go see a, a prolific career? Go look up Carl Malone's Wikipedia or his basketball stat reference. I mean, it's stupid. The dude was 28 and 12 for like the duration of my life. It's unbelievable how many big years he had. Charles Barkley, too. And those guys have the title or I guess the 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 asterisk of not winning an NBA championship because of Michael Jordan. So the Warriors didn't didn't move past Michael Jordan's Bulls, and uh, the, I don't think it's close. The other, the probably the third best franchise in my opinion in NBA history is the Showtime Lakers, 1979 to 1989. I think they have the biggest what if attached to them because how long would their run have lasted if Magic Johnson would not have been diagnosed with HIV, if he would not have been forced into retirement? That had a, an enormous impact on the entire NBA. It, it. I mean, they made it back to the finals one time in the '90s, and then Magic Johnson had to retire, and then re-retire. The, I mean, the Bulls, the, the whole narrative of the NBA, the Bulls run and and otherwise would have been altered if Magic Johnson would have had, let's say, even just five more good years. I think we have a, a whole different discussion on who the team of the '90s might have been. It might have been a little bit more smattered and a little bit more broad. But I do think, though, this win for the Warriors puts them in discussion with a couple of the other candidates for greatest dynasties in NBA history. I have a list of eight teams here. And so it's actually nine. So we're, we, already, we already definitively said the Warriors are, are not with those Russell Celtics. They're not with the Showtime Lakers. They're not with the Jordan Bulls. But I do think there's a couple other runs to talk about. So we're going to bring in Andrew Houghton again, our producer. So the other, we're going to go in sort of descending order here because I think we'll have pretty affirmative answers on some of these. The, In my opinion, this championship by the Warriors now puts the Bad Boys Pistons and the LeBron James, Dwayne Wade Heat teams in the rear view for sure. Do you agree? Yeah, and I think you would extend that to the other two teams you have, the the first four teams you have on this list here. George Mikan's Lakers, the first NBA champions, the first NBA championship dynasty, they won five of the first six NBA titles. They're far beyond that. One of those was not when it was called the NBA, which is that's how far far back we're going. Totally. We're talking the 40s and 50s. So that's right. George Mikan's Lakers, the Warriors are definitively no question past them. The Bad Boys Pistons, no question definitively past them. The LeBron James, Dwayne Wade Heat, I think, definitively passed that squad. And then the Kobe Bryant, Pau Gasol Lakers. I do like that team. It's sort of the, the extension of Kobe's like reign over the league, but you can't really say it was a dynasty because they did have this five-year valley where they were just so god-awful. And it, it was a whole new look with a new coach and a new Kobe and a new style and all that. But I do think... It's the most parallel narrative to the Warriors where a lot of people sort of had buried Kobe and said, this guy can't win without the Zen master, Phil Jackson. This guy can't win without the diesel, Shaquille O'Neal. And then he proved that he could with a new coach and a new running man in Pagasol and a new style. And uh, 
They're one of the only other real peers here where they had to kind of come back from the dead. Yeah, it took them a couple years there to sort of retool that team and find the right second star around Kobe. Um, sort of after that early 2000s three-peat team fell off. Um, and they were bad there for years and years and years before they found Pau Gasol, who uh, probably one of the best fits around Kobe that you could have drawn up. For sure. Not only in terms of his game, but in terms of his personality. Um, I like that team. Here's something that elevates a dynasty, in my opinion. Yeah. To be a dynasty... I think in the historical context, when people are talking about it on sports radio shows and writing about it in books, it helps a lot to have an easily defined rival. Right. And that Kobe Powell Lakers team had it with the Doc Rivers Celtics. Right. Even though they and only, the Spurs a little bit too. And the Spurs, even though they only beat the Celtics in one of those finals wins sure. because the Magic uh, got to the, <laughs> right. the finals that year. I think when you think about those Kobe Powell teams, you also think about the big three in Boston and Doc Rivers. So that helps them a little bit. Um, But I think that the Warriors now... So that Lakers team won two in a row, went to three straight finals in those years. The Warriors now have, you know, four titles. I think they're obviously over that team. Uh, The other one that I think that... Now we're into the territory where I think it is a little bit of a debate, but I do think the Warriors are now better than that Spurs run as well. The Spurs run is so great because of how elongated it was. But I, I still think that this Warriors team, four in eight years plus five finals in a row, plus going from first to worst to first, is is slightly ahead. I, I think that the this current iteration of the Warriors moves into that hallowed top five uh, in NBA history as as teams. Okay, I'm gonna push back on you a little okay. bit here because yeah, I, wa- I, I want this. That Spurs run is unique. Because yep. of its longevity, obviously. Yep. Here's the thing, though. Spurs also got four in eight years. That's right. From 1999 to 2007, four titles for the San Antonio Spurs. Sure. That's what the Warriors have done now. And I think, you know, I give the Warriors, a li- or I give the Spurs a little bit of extra credit for them being able to come back seven years later. Right. And win another one. And they didn't fall off in between there. Now, are, are you giving the Warriors points for falling off? Because I'm giving the Spurs points for not falling off for and sure. always contending um, sort well, of that, in that stretch. And that's that's one of the biggest testaments to both Greg Popovich and Tim Duncan, right? There, There's no such thing as falling off. Oh, for whatever reason, the the uh, Spurs did well, – there's a lot of reasons why the Spurs have taken a step back the last couple years, but you're right. They never really did take a step back for basically a full two decades. Let me ask you this. The, the game of basketball – well, football's evolved an incredible amount as well, but basketball is always evolving. And you can point to these definitive moments in basketball history when the game changes, whether it's Bill Russell and his ability to protect the rim and, and the, you know basically the, the invention of the fast break because of his ability to outlet pass, or you talk about the guys playing above the rim in the 70s and the merger with the ABA or the addition of the three-point line, or, uh, you know, the rule changes spurred on partially because of the Olympics and, and some of the ad- additional rules, uh, the international rules. How much credit do you give teams for their influence on the game? Because I think that's the other thing about those Spurs teams. They did it with such an international flavor and such international players, and that sort of opened this floodgates of all these international guys in the league. You could say the same thing about the Warriors, though. I mean, they changed the game because they they proved that you can shoot the three more prolifically than anybody and also more proficiently than anybody at the same time. So how much do you give, you know, uh, changing the game? 
Yeah, I thought you were going to use that as a point against the Spurs for a second there because the Warriors are obviously famous as, you know, you, you can't have a jump-shooting team win the title, whatever, whatever, and sort of breaking that stigma. But you're absolutely right. The Spurs, um, in the way that they played and, uh, you know, the way that they built that roster, like you said, with the international players, had just as big an impact on the game. And that has been... Um, I mean, geez, those are those are probably the two biggest basketball revolutions in the last since the turn of the century. For sure. Because when you look at the way that teams are built now, they're built to shoot the threes. Mm-hmm. But also, who are the best players in the league? Right. Giannis Antetokounmpo. Right. Luka Doncic. Right. Joel Embiid. Guys that get to the rim. International guys. Uh, that's who. That, right. For sure. The the Spurs. Greg Popovich is the, in my opinion, in terms of his his. There's there's sort of this Mount Rushmore of all-time coaches in terms of their legacies, and you have to put Red Arbach, Red Arbach on there. You have to put Phil Jackson on there. you got to put Greg Popovich on there. And then that that fourth spot, you know, there's several different guys that are sort of in the mix for that fourth spot. But in terms of innovations, keeping up with the times, pushing the envelope forward, the X's and O's of the game, Greg Popovich is the GOAT. I mean, 3 and D guys exist because of Greg Popovich. Rim runners essentially exist because of Greg Popovich. Getting guys that have elite skills and maybe other deficiencies to still be Hall of Fame-level players like Manu Ginobili, it's it's Popovich, the international influence, the way that you play defense, the defensive three seconds and his ability to mitigate that. All of those things are Popovich. And so you got me thinking about the Spurs. Keeping it together for that long also, right? and this is in contrast to the team that's next down on our list, Keeping it together and keeping it working and keeping people happy for that long is in and of itself a triumph because not a lot of teams are able to do that. Exactly. And uh, it's true. Nuanas now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. Okay, so last two on this, and then I actually want to continue this NBA conversation, so we'll keep on talking to NBA. But um, the Shaq Kobe Lakers don't have the, the broadness of the longevity. But this is where this is one of my favorite arguments in sports, and it's so pertinent in the NBA. Transcendence versus longevity. When you're at your best, where does that compare? I mean, the Portland Trailblazers have not won a championship since Bill Walton was at his best, and that was some almost, you know, 50-plus years ago. Bill Walton has nowhere close to the longevity of so many of the other great big men in NBA history, but when Bill Walton was in his prime at his best— he led the Portland Trailblazers to the NBA championship. That, that's always my favorite argument of this. But it's also my biggest argument for the Shaq Kobe Lakers. They got three titles. They were a, a dominant force for a handful of years, and then they fell apart, and that was it, and that was all. They both went on to win championships apart from each other. And the question of, well, what if they would have stayed together? That's part of the formula, though. They were never going to stay together. You couldn't have ever kept them together. That what if is irrelevant. The better what if, though, is how would that team compare to so many of these other teams? And when they're at their best, it's hard to say that they're not one of, if not actually the best. I mean, the Shaq Kobe Lakers, when Shaq was actually in his prime and in shape, I don't really know how you, I mean, the run they went on to win their second of the three championships is the greatest run in playoff history. They only lost one game, and they pulverized people the entire run. Just from a once-off, me versus you, these teams are playing, I don't know, man. Like, 
you would take them over the KD Warriors? Because that's the that's the trump card that the Warriors have. The, the, the three three-point shooters and their ability to move it and D up and their versatility defensively, yeah, it's true. It's it's pretty hard to overcome. I mean, those two years when Kevin Durant was on the Warriors, for regardless of the circumstances, sure. and we, you know, it was a once-in-a-lifetime circumstance that the cap would spike that year right as KD, you know, was sort of being insecure about his career and legacy and everything. But... I mean, that's the most unbeatable team in basketball history, right? Right, right. I'm not putting the Warriors over the Shaq Kobe Lakers yet. I do think they're even with the Spurs now. And then the last one to debate is the Larry Bird Celtics of the 1980s. But I do, I, th- I know that that team has so much reverence. You could also have the greatest what if of what if Larry Bird would have stayed healthy. I also think that Bird's peak is as good as almost anybody in the history of the league, just with how far ahead of his time he was from a spacing perspective, a shooting perspective, all that stuff. Yet, I don't know, man. I think that the Warriors are ahead of that squad now, too. I think the Warriors have a great argument to be in that top five, and I think that the number I think the number one team that they're, they're jockeying with to be in that fourth spot is the Shaq Kobe Lakers. Interesting. I think I think they're even a step ahead of that. I think that they're clearly in the top five, and this puts them almost on the level of the '80s Lakers because that's four, four titles for yep. each. And and then, then the, the remaining question is, what do they have to do for an encore? Because uh, Draymond Green's only 29 years old. Steph Curry's still got some juice in the tank. We'll see uh, how they manage being a repeat or a defending champion this upcoming year. No one is now ESPN Radio. What does the NBA Finals victory mean for Stephen Curry? We shall, shall debate his legacy right after this. Keep it right here. No one is now ESPN Radio. Grizz Nation's favorite outfitter is the M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. And now the M Store has a brand new location in downtown Missoula. Come check out the new storefront located on the corner of Higgins and Broadway. The M Store in Missoula has been your Grizz gear headquarters for more than 10 years, offering some of the most original University of Montana gear you'll find anywhere in the Garden City. Next time you're downtown, swing in. Come by the M Store today and wear what the Grizz wear. Or shop online at MontanaMStore.com. Greatness and what makes it up or what goes into the debate. A discussion of legacy continues here on Nuana's Now ESPN Radio. Thanks for being here. Thanks for tuning in. Nuana's Now broadcasted to you live through the Northwest Motorsport Studio. Northwest Motorsport, new to Montana. You can find them here in Missoula, corner of Stevens and Mount. You can also check out the largest inventory of trucks anywhere in the Pacific Northwest by visiting nwmsrocks.com. No nuanas now on Friday. We'll be on the uh, road to the Montana Football Hall of Fame. Sure to have a bunch of fun content and feedback and interviews for you. Coming out of the great weekend in Billings. If you want to join us, please do. You can go to Montana Football Hall of Fame website to get tickets, or you can also visit any Universal Athletic store and uh, should be a great, fun evening to remember. So if you'd like to join us on Saturday in Billings at the Billings Hotel and Convention Center, uh, please do. We discussed where this Warriors team fits in the history and fabric of the NBA, and I think they're right there among the great teams in NBA history. I think that they're not quite into that untouchable air of the Russell Celtics or the Jordan Bulls, but there's arguments to be had for... The rest of that little group that's kind of among the top six or seven runs that the league has ever seen. And a huge part of that run has been 
the face of the franchise, the dynamic leader, in my opinion, one of the all-time great teammates in the history of the league, Stephen Curry. He won NBA Finals MVP for the first time in his career. That adds to a trophy case now that also includes back-to-back regular season MVPs. He is one of only seven players in the history of the league to go back-to-back in MVPs. And now he's got four, count them, four rings. And I think this this vaults Steph Curry from – he was already, I think, unquestionably a top 50 and probably top 30 player of all time before this most recent ring. But this vaults him now into the top level of the pyramid, as Bill Simmons likes to call it, in his book of basketball, which if you're watching on SWX Montana Television uh, or on the ESPN Montana app, that's what we got sitting up front here uh, in the studio. The book of basketball – a uh, really entertaining, fun book. It's sort of an encyclopedia of basketball. But it came out a little bit more than 10 years ago now. And so in this book, I'm not sure where – I can't really remember where um, Simmons has Steph Curry ranked. But he basically ranks like the top 93 players in uh, NBA history. Steph wouldn't have even been in that edition. Well, right, because yeah, I guess he would have only been in the league for like a year, right? I don't even think he was. I think that was like the year that Steph Curry got drafted. Okay, so there you go. So Steph Curry has gone from not in the NBA when this book came out to uh, I think definitively in the top 20 players of all time. And I think that he's marching up the list even higher than that. So we're going to do a little either or here from a legacy perspective individually for Stephen Curry now with his four rings, his two regular season MVPs and now a finals MVP as well. I think that Whatever order you want to rank him in, I think that there's still no way he's better than Michael Jordan, Bill Russell, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Wilt Chamberlain, Magic Johnson, Tim Duncan, and LeBron James. Are we on the same page on that? Yeah. Okay, so th- those are your seven sort of un- undeniable guys. The next ones are a little interesting, though. Probably the next guys on the list include, in no particular order, Jerry West, Kobe Bryant, Shaquille O'Neal, and Larry Bird. I'm not ready to put Steph definitively above any of those guys, but there is a discussion to be had. And then there's some other guys that I think that Curry definitively moved past. I think he definitively moved past guys like Isaiah Thomas, Walt Clyde Frazier, Bob Cousy, Carl Malone, Moses Malone, Hakeem Olajuwon, David Robinson, and Oscar Robertson. Any any disputes on those definitive moving on? Uh, I don't think Hakeem. Hakeem's a good one. I, I think that so so then the next guys I think that are up for debate. This is the group that Steph Curry is in. He's not in that top seven with Jordan and LeBron and Bill Russell and those guys. I think he's certainly beyond the Isaiah Thomases and Bob Cousy's and and all those. He's definitively a better guard than all of those older guys that I just named. The, the list that I think that Steph Curry is in the mix with is Kobe Bryant, Larry Bird, Shaquille O'Neal, Jerry West, Kevin Durant, and Dwayne Wade. Okay. I, I think I would throw Hakeem and Oscar Robertson and, and, into that group uh, as well. Hakeem, I, I don't know why Hakeem's not on my – oh, I had Hakeem listed way late. No, Hakeem, Hakeem's there too. I agree. And uh, let's mention Elgin Baylor as well. Just El- Elgin to, and- Baylor is a good one. I actually read a phenomenal article. I can't remember the publication, and that's so unlike me because – as a journalist, I like to cite the, the, the source. But I did read a great article about Elgin Baylor and how 
he's actually the one that revolutionized basketball more than almost any of his peers. Maybe more than anybody, like, until Steph Curry, honestly. For sure. Like, like it's a very short list. The art of scoring at the rim, but also scoring at multiple levels. The art of being able to move with and without the ball. Elgin Baylor was that guy. That's that's the thing that solidifies the Russell argument and the Russell Celtics argument, though, is that Elgin Baylor and Jerry West, more they were the Charles Barkley and, and Carl Malone of their generations in that they couldn't beat Bill Russell. Yeah. And that Michael, just like Barkley and Malone and Patrick Ewing couldn't beat Michael Jordan. Um, but when you really are, when, when you're Bill Russell and you're beating Elgin Baylor and Jerry West in the finals every year, it's not like they're just handing you the trophy. You are playing against one of the great teams ever, and those guys only got one title between them. So, okay, the the most interesting part of this argument is the Kevin Durant, Dwayne Wade part. Yes. I, I think that Steph Curry is beyond, he's above Dwayne Wade now. Agreed. And I think I think Stephen Curry is be above Kevin Durant now, too. I'm not saying, I know there's people out there screaming at their radios right now saying, Kevin Durant's a better player than Steph Curry. I actually agree with that. I'm just saying Stephen Curry's legacy is better than Kevin Durant, and that's a referendum on Kevin Durant. Well, their legacies are inextricably tied together is yes, the other are. part that makes the argument. Steph Curry's legacy, the number one question when we're debating Steph Curry's legacy is how much do you discount him for the two titles that were won when the Warriors had Kevin Durant, in which Kevin Durant won the finals MVP in? Yep. And now, a, now, this question— And it's against LeBron James, too. For sure. That's a huge part of it as well. That's the other fascinating part about LeBron is I don't— I think LeBron James is the greatest player in basketball history. I don't think he has the greatest legacy in basketball history, though, and he and Kevin Durant share that sort of parallel. I actually think in terms of pure talent and ability to play basketball, LeBron James and Kevin Durant are two of the five best guys ever. But only one of those two guys has a top five legacy ever, and LeBron James, unfortunate as it is, every single discussion that LeBron James isn't definitively the greatest basketball player of all time in is an object failure by him because he's so talented and gifted. But LeBron James also has such a huge influence on everybody else's legacy as well. Like when you go to the finals eight years in a row, the people that beat you get their legacy accentuated because you are such the... You're, the putting, bu- you're putting them over. Yeah, like an, right. old, an old guy in wrestling, when you're going to retire, you put the young star over. That's what LeBron has been for a solid decade. Yeah, for sure. Where are we at with Jerry West and Steph Curry? I think that's a very interesting one as well. I take Steph. I think I take Steph as well. Jerry West, infamously the the only player in NBA history to win a finals MVP when his team lost, but he also was sort of this uh, lovable loser, even though he himself was not that lovable during his playing career. He would always make it to the finals, and they would always fall short against the Celtics, and it was sort of just this... I think it's one of the reasons why Jerry West has stayed involved from a competitive standpoint in the NBA for so long. He had to right the wrongs of losing in the finals seven times. Yeah, and as unfair as it is, I mean, that becomes sort of the defining factor of his legacy is that he was the finals MVP. He is the only finals MVP in a losing effort. I mean, that's how you define Jerry West's career. For sure. So... You say TBD on Durant and Curry. I, I, I think that's good. I got him ahead of Dwayne Wade. I got him ahead of Jerry West as well. Then the other guys are fascinating. Yeah. Shaquille O'Neal. Yeah. Larry Bird and Kobe Bryant. I think that. I think that Steph Curry and Larry Bird is a really, really, really good one. Part of my nostalgic love for Kobe Bryant and the fact that he was tragically ripped away from us. 
has me sort of biased to Kobe Bryant, even though objectively I think that's a very good argument. And Shaquille O'Neal is my favorite athlete of all time. So uh, I love the fact that Shaq was sort of aloof and doing all sorts of other things besides dominating on the basketball court. He is the most... He's the most larger-than-life character we have seen, yet he's still the everyman. And that sort of blinds you to analyzing Shaq, too, because you just love him so much. But I think that it's interesting to think about because I started to think about this from, like, a a team. You're making an all-time team. It puts positions into it, right? And the argument for who would start at center is a really long list. The argument that who would start in the backcourt is a really short list. It's Magic Johnson and Michael Jordan, and that's it. But then the argument of who is the third guard, that's where it gets very interesting. If you're talking about team construction, that's a different argument than just talking about the best guys. But I think that's where it gets so interesting between Kobe Bryant and Stephen Curry. Well, because Steph can fit on any team. That's right. He can play off the ball. Right. Whereas Kobe Bryant being the sixth man and coming off the bench and backing up anybody would be an abject nightmare, I think. It'd be an issue. <laughs> On and off the court. It certainly would. But Steph Curry definitely, uh, he made himself some money when it comes to the currency of legacy uh, this last year, to be sure. I mean, he, he definitely went from, again, I mean, he was already a top 25 guy probably, but he is now in the rare air. I mean, he he is in the discussion amongst those all-time greatest players in NBA history. Yeah, just to put a cap on the discussion and, and give my take here, I don't have him over any of those three guys okay. yet. So he's so he's right outside the top 10. So he's sitting there right there like an 11th. 11th or 12th. I mean, right there with guys like Jerry West, KD, I think Oscar Robertson, and Hakeem are in that discussion. I think those are like the next five guys outside the top 10. Stephen Curry will always have a special place in my heart for redefining the game, not only because of his prolific three-point shooting, but he also, in an age where truly the best athletes in the world play in the NBA, and you almost can't even get a sniff in the NBA unless you are one of the premier athletes on the planet and or you have one of the elite skills on the planet, Steph Curry redefined the game because... He's not an unbelievably once-in-a-generation type athlete. His hand-eye coordination is, but he's just a normal dude. Just a 6'2", 180-pound guy walking down the street, and he brought... He didn't bring it back because actually guys like Steve Nash brought it back, but he put it over the top to show so many people out there that it doesn't matter what your physical quote-unquote limitations might be. If you got a better skill than anybody else in the world... You can be one of the best players in the world. Fun discussion, a fun all-NBA hour, number two. I already know what we're doing for the show tomorrow, all the stuff we skipped today. (laughs) A fun show, though, and uh, we'll finish it up and take you home here on your Monday. Keep it right here. It's Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio. Sportsbet Montana is powered by the Montana Lottery. Join in on the excitement for Sportsbet Montana by betting on your favorite sports and teams, both collegially and professionally. There are multiple ways to bet, including in-game, which gets you into the action live as the game unfolds, and parlay betting, where you could have a chance to win big. 
Sports Bet Montana, a secure and interactive way to win while watching your favorite sports. Bets can be placed securely on the mobile app while at an authorized Sports Bet Montana location or by using the Sports Bet Montana kiosk located at approved vendors. Montana bettors have wagered more than $28 million since Sports Bet Montana launched almost a year ago, and in that time, bettors have won more than $25 million. Sports Bet Montana's retail partners have more than $1.7 million in commission. Head on down to your authorized Sports Bet Montana locations and get in on the fun today. ESPN Radio. You ever been playing a golf match for money? And it's coming down to it. You're on the last hole, and they just you screw it up. I did this on Saturday. I was in it all the way down the wire, and then uh, was right on the the fringe uh, in a little uh, in, in a little slough right by the green, the 18th green at Canyon River. And I chunked a chip, and the ball rolled right back down to my feet, and I lost the match on the 18th hole. It derails you so much. So then Matthew Fitzpatrick hits his drive in the sand on number 18 at the U.S. Open on Sunday, and he is not deterred. Sticks it and wins. What a finish. We'll talk more U.S. Open tomorrow, but thanks for tuning in today. To Nuanas Now. It's 1029 ESPN Missoula, as well as statewide on SWX Montana Television and on that new ESPN Montana app. I keep teasing that we're actually going to do it tomorrow. The evaluations and the the uh these guys will be good if for Cats and Grizz. I do think the guys that are going from Montana to the Division One level, all of them have the chance to be good. What's the what ifs? that they need it to happen. What are some of the circumstances they need to go right? We'll do that tomorrow. We'll also have some Missoula Marathon preview coverage. Our good friend Justin Angle, a business angle, the overlay between business and sports, and Treasure State Stars. We'll see you then, 4 p.m. A Tuesday Nuana is now with a lot of carryover from Monday. In the meantime, thank you so much for being here. If you missed anything in the show, you can find it on the Nuanas Now podcast presented by Sportsbet Montana and the Advocates. Have a great Monday night. We'll see you tomorrow. Bobcat fans, support both your favorite team and Montana State students. When you shop at the student and faculty-owned MSU Bookstore, your purchase lowers the price of course materials for Montana State students. Montana State is in the midst of a historic year, and the MSU Bookstore has everything you need, from jerseys to garments, t-shirts to sweatshirts. You can also find the vast selection of Bobcat gear online by visiting msubookstore.org. Help students excel and look your best in blue and gold. The MSU Bookstore is your Bobcat gear headquarters. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia? When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org.